0: Thanks for checking out the Oasis Church podcast from Camden, Arkansas. Each week we share the message from our Sunday worship service. Join us anytime. More information at camdenoasischurch.com. So we see in, in chapter 4, his attitude towards these people was what was so messed up. His, his attitude for whatever reason, probably because the Assyrians were, were people who have, have, have caused hardships for the Israelites, for Jonah's people. Um, we also know that Jonah was a prophet for the very first time. He was God's man being sent to uh, not the Israelite people. He was being sent outside of them to go to a, a separate nation and speak on behalf of God. And, and so he sees these people as the enemy. He sees them as, as, as people that he does not want to associate with, that he does not want to see God's love and saving grace be extended to them. In fact, he says, God, this is what happened. I knew if I would go and preach the gospel that you, they would listen and repent and, and you would be gracious and loving because that's who you are. Isn't that crazy that, that that's his attitude is that he's mad that God saved a people? Uh, but, but the reality of it is, is that, that this is his heart because of his, his prejudice and his, his ideology of, of who they are. He, he, um, he puts that on them. He does not want... To see God work in their lives because he doesn't want anything to do with them. Because he knows maybe even that they might rise up and come against Israel. And we know that years later they would actually do that in their sinfulness. And, and conquer the northern tribes of Israel. But Jonah, he, he just had this, this prejudice against these people. John MacArthur sums it up like this. He says verses 1 through 3. He said, that's racism. That's what that is. That's prejudice. That is the heart of Jonah, is that he does not want to see God's love extended towards the people, that, that he had, wants nothing to do with them. They are not like him, and they are broken and outcast, and he doesn't want to go. And that is a hard statement to think through, but our day and age, I think, is something that we need to understand, that that." Are there people groups or are there, are, there, are there people in our lives that, that we do not want to take the message of Jesus Christ to, to share the love of God with? Of course, we would sit here and say no, but do our actions show something different? Do our actions show our heart? Because that's what Jonah's is doing. One of the things I like about Jonah is that he doesn't really hide his feelings, is that he's not pretending that he doesn't like a people, he's just like, hey, God, I'd rather die than have seen this happen. Like, that's, that's pretty blatantly. In fact, he's so blatant to say, okay, you want me to go to those people? No, I'm going to jump on a ship and go to the end of the known world to get as far away from what you want for them. <clears throat> because I don't want to see that grace extended to them. But in our own hearts, I think we have to, under, we have to think through this a little bit. We have to think through this. And sometimes this is really hard to do because um, we've never experienced prejudice and racism. And, and we may not even be that ourselves, but in our world, in our day and age, that is a, a, a very hot topic. But what we have to understand as believers and Christians is that in the gospel there is no room for this. This is why the gospel is so important, because this is where racism dies, this is where it fails, because In it, there is no one who is better than any other. There's no elitism. There's no, I'm a better person than you are. are. We are all um, just sinners saved by grace. We're all recipients of God's goodness and grace. He said, there's no one who is not on the same playing field in this way. And so the gospel is where that goes to die. And we'll see that in this story. Even though that Jonah had such a problem with this people, and understandable so maybe... But God's heart for the nations is is greater. God's love for people and desire to redeem them is greater. And we must see that the gospel is so important for all people. And so the rest of the story is about God's mercy. It's about God sovereignly doing some things that show that he is lovingly pursuing a broken people. And so in verse 4 it says, But the Lord hurled a great wind upon the sea, and there was a mighty tempest on the sea, and so that the ship threatened to break up. Then when the mariners were afraid, and each cried out to his God, they hurled the cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten it for them. But um, But Jonah had gone down into the inner part of the ship and had lain down and was fast asleep. So the captain came and said to him, What do you mean, you sleeper? Arise, call out to your God. Perhaps the God will give you a thought to us that we may not perish. So God's grace begins here in sending a storm, right? This is where we see God's grace begin in the life of Jonah. And Jonah runs, but God stops him. Jonah pays the fare, gets on the ship, and that leads to nowhere. And, and so what happens here is we're introduced to another group of people, and that's the sailors of the ship. And, and this ship is, is, is heading away from God, and Jonah goes and goes to sleep in the bottom of the ship. But the storms come, and it's such a, a, a big storm that these people who are used to, to storms probably, who have, have battled some of these things, recognize that this is a problem. And they begin to throw cargo over the ship. That 's how big of a deal this is, <clears throat> and they begin to cry out to their gods because they are not um, they are not those who who follow after the one true God, and so they cry out to their different gods to try to save them, and they go to Jonah and they wake up and it 's ironic here that God would say, "Arise and go to the town of Nineveh and hear uh, in, in, a, in a such an ironic way, but probably a way that just speaks to the heart of Jonah. The, the sailors come in and say, arise and speak to your God. Try to stop this from happening. Don't you think that that just echoed in the heart of Jonah in this moment? Of that, That's exactly what the, the word and the, what God was speaking to me that I was running from. And I think it's just God beginning to convict his heart. And so in verse 7 it says, And they said to one another, Come, let us cast lots that we may know on whose account this evil has come upon us. So they cast lots, and the lot fell on Jonah. Here's another moment. Besides God intervening in the weather, God sovereignly allows the lots to be cast upon Jonah. Basically, they were drawing straws, and God allowed that to fall upon Jonah um, so that they could see that, that, that something specific was going to happen in this story. And then they said to him, tell us, On whose account this evil has come upon us? What is your occupation? Where do you come from? What is your country? And and of what people are you? And he said to them, I am a Hebrew, and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. Then the men were exceedingly afraid and said to him, what is it that you have done? For the men knew that he was fleeing from the presence of the Lord because he had told them this. So they say, who are you? What is going on? And Jonah answers some of their questions, but he never identifies who he is as a prophet of God. But he says, I'm someone who believes in God, the God over the seas, the God who created all these things. See, so they believed in, in certain gods, and they were calling out their gods, and nothing was happening. Jonah right here says, I believe in the one true God who has the power over nature. Who, who can accomplish these things. He says, I am, I am of God's people. I fear the Lord. And they knew in this moment that he is the one that has caused them this trouble. Verse 11 says, Then they said to him, What shall we do to you that the sea may quiet down for us? For the sea grew more tempestuous. He said to them, Pick me up and hurl me into the sea, and then the sea will quiet down for you. For I know it is because of me that this great tempest has come upon you. Nevertheless, the men rode hard to get back to dry land, but they could not, for the sea grew more and more tempestuous against them. Therefore they called out to the Lord, O Lord, let us not perish for this man's life, and and lay not on us the innocent blood, for you, O Lord, have done as you pleased. So they picked up Jonah, and they hurled him into the sea. And the sea ceased from its raging. The men feared the Lord and exceedingly, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows. And the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow up Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. So we see the the ending of the story is all about the sovereign work of God's grace in the lives of these people. It it just begins, it's very evident in, in that God does something that no one else can do and he sends a storm, he controls nature because he is a God who is powerful, who spoke all things into existence. He absolutely has the power to control the storm. And so these people just scrambling to save their lives encounter God's spokesperson, the prophet Jonah, in his rebellion. And so he doesn't fully even though he, he acknowledges who God is, he doesn't acknowledge his place with him. And they begin to see that, that there's something to what this man has done. And so he says, it's because of me. He, he takes on his rebellion. He says, it's because of me, so just throw me over. And what do they do? do they start throwing more things over. They start rowing even harder. They see that there's a way for this to stop. But instead of of choosing that way of salvation, instead of choosing what he says to do God's way in this moment, they say, I'm going to take this on and row even harder. I'm going to do everything I can to get myself to safety. Can we identify with that? Isn't that something that, that we do on our own? Instead of saying, God, you've offered me grace and love and salvation, let me see what I can do on my own first. Let me see if I can just take care of this. I'm going to just row my boat as hard as I can. And that's what they're doing here. They're saying, hey, we, we got this, okay? We, we've done this before. We're going to do everything we can. And it was not enough. You see the gospel in that? It doesn't matter how hard we try to rid ourselves of sin. It doesn't matter what we do. We're never going to be good enough. We're never going to row our boat far enough. We're never going to find that safety without God's intervention. And God sovereignly shows them grace in this moment. He he begins to just show his power. and, And their attitudes begin to change because they begin to understand what they're dealing with. And this is not just a God like they've always worshipped. This is a God who has some power over life and death. This is a God who has power over nature. And, and it's, it's interesting to see them come and their, their mindset and their attitudes change to this. Because in the beginning, they were crying out to their gods and nothing was happening. So they asked Jonah to cry out to his God. And then through these conversations, they find out what's really going on. And so then you see that what did they do? It says, they call upon the Lord. They call upon the Lord. They say, don't let this man's blood, innocent blood, be on our hands. I think that's a an interesting phrase because it says, don't let this innocent blood be on us. And what they needed most is the innocent blood of Jesus Christ. Isn't that what sinners need the most? Is a washing of, of the blood of Jesus Christ to forgive us of our sins, to lead us to salvation. But they say, don't let him. They call upon him and they say this, and we begin to see that their hearts are turned. It says, "O oh Lord, let us not perish for this man's life; lay not his innocent blood for you." O oh Lord, have done you have done as you please. They begin to recognize who God is, um, where they were not submitting to Him in the first. They were trying to do everything they could do on their own. But that phrase right there says, "But oh Lord, you have done what you pleased." That's the beginning of surrendering. That's what they're doing. They're saying, "God." I can't do this. I've tried. We've given every effort we have, but Lord, you are doing as you please. That's an acknowledgment of a sovereign God. That's part of the heart of repentance for a believer is that we acknowledge God is who God is. A.W. Pink says that sovereignty summed up in a, in a very simple way is God is God. That's what he is. He is God. He is the creator of all things. And he is the one who makes a way for salvation. Not that we can accomplish this on our own. And you see that they begin to surrender to God's will. And so they do as Jonah asked them to do, and they hurled him over the sea, and it immediately stops. It calms down. And then the men feared the Lord. Exceedingly, and they offered a sacrifice and they made vows before the Lord. Doesn't that seem like revival just happened in the sailors' lives? And they just see this? We don't know for sure if that's uh, salvation, but every moment of that is, is a, a picture of what salvation really is like. It's not that we can't do it on our own, so we begin to surrender ourselves to what God is doing. Um, they begin to fear the Lord as, as who He is, the understanding of who God is. And it even says that they offered a sacrifice, which a sacrifice is is, is meant to show that that blood is to be shed for the forgiveness of sins. Um, that, That all these moments is putting us to a picture of what salvation is about. And so we see God as sovereign and showing mercy to the sailors in the story. But we also see that God is sovereign in his pursuit of Jonah's heart. Jonah doesn't completely change and in this last part of the story, Jonathan doesn't see this as an opportunity to say, I, I, in my own mind, I've played this out different ways, but he says, hey, kill me. Just throw me over. Let me just end this now, and God's not going to judge you. It's just going to be my judgment. I'll take that. So his heart in this moment still isn't um, repenting for what he's done. He's just trying to end it. He's just trying to get away from it. Uh, it doesn't show so that, that he's ready to go back because don't you think, This would be a great opportunity to say, guess what, I'm God's prophet and I'm running from God and I'm not doing what he's calling me to do and this is just God stopping me and judging me and so I'm going to just turn the ship around and take me back. And this would be such an amazing opportunity for him to just show God's love and care for his people and God's forgiveness. The gospel could be exemplified in that moment. But this is not what Jonah chooses to do because his heart's not ready for repentance. He just says, throw me over. And God's sovereign grace is shown to Jonah in sending a storm and sending a fish. He says that the fish was appointed. So here's here's my thoughts on this. Have you ever tried to go and stop a wave? Have you ever stood in the ocean and tried to, to make the ocean stop moving? No, it moves you, right? We can't go against God's sovereign will in this way. Have you ever tried to train a fish to do something. But God sends a fish big enough for Jonah to exist three days in the belly of it. And it says God appointed him to swallow Jonah. And that's Jonah's beginning of of his salvation, of his beginning of God just continually pursuing his heart. And in chapter 2, we're going to see how this plays out as, as Jonah begins to finally, in the belly of a fish, recognize what he is doing to run from God, recognize his own sinfulness and brokenness and how God is actually choosing to to save him and offer him a chance to reconcile and go and do what he's called him to do. So Margaret, as, as you get ready, here's the things I want us to think about today. Just some application questions. Is there a is there a boat in your life? Is there something that you're using to flee from what God's called you to do? Is there sin? Is there, is there some kind of thing that you're holding on to that's keeping you from doing what God's called you to do? Now, there's a, a pastor who's, who's been referenced in so many times in things I've been reading this week, and, and he's, he's famous for saying this, that there's always a boat to take you away from the presence of the Lord but there's always a fare to be paid. Even in Jonah, we see this. He says he paid a fare to jump on a boat that just took him back to where he started, right? To to get on the boat to nowhere. But he says there's always a boat there for us to flee away from what God wants. Maybe there's something in our own heart and our lives that's keeping us from being living in obedience to God. Maybe there's... a group of people? Who are your Ninevites? Who are the people that maybe God is saying, this is someone that that you're to to show God's love to, that you're to share Jesus to, that we're to be a part of that? Is there prejudice? Is there things in your own heart towards them that keeps you from that? Is there fear? What is it that, that we're allowing us to not go and pursue the people that God's put in our heart. Maybe we're just not asking. Maybe it's that simple that we're just not asking, God, who is it that I can show your love to? God, show me the opportunities that I have to to be on mission for you. See, the Bible says that we're to go into all nations, or to make disciples of all nations, baptizing in the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching to obey everything that I've commanded. That's the Great Commission. That has not ended, that has not stopped for believers that we're to continually be on mission to go and share Jesus with others. H.B. Charles, a, a preacher who's, who says this in a very, uh, just a great way, he says, the great commission has become the great omission in the life of the believers. It's something that we don't see that that's our calling is to go and tell, is to share Jesus with others and so we don't live that way but there are people that God has called us to there are your families your friend groups your people you work with there are opportunities all the time and we fail at that I fail at that but maybe we need to be praying God who are our Ninevites who are the people or maybe we need to say God I've got fear to to approach this group I've got things I need to deal with in my own heart and help me to just love them the way that you do Maybe we identify more with the sailors in this story. We see that here we need to surrender to God's will. That we've been living in rebellion, that we've been doing our own thing, that we're trying our hardest for, to get to safety. We're trying to earn our way to salvation, whatever it is, but we have never fully surrendered to God. And God right now, just like then, is giving them an open invitation for salvation. He is calling you to that. Maybe we're more like Jonah in this story and we know God. But we allow our our sin and our rebellious heart to cause us to to put distance between us and God, to flee from Him. We don't recognize that God's sovereign grace and love towards us is continually pursuing our heart. That's not just for a moment of salvation, but it's every day. And the Bible tells us in the New Testament Again, that He is faithful and just to forgive us of our unrighteousness. That we don't have to walk in our sinfulness and brokenness on our own. That we're not left to to live a perfect Christian life by ourselves. That He is working through the Holy Spirit of God that's within us. And so we maybe just need to surrender ourselves to Him. Come back to Him. Ask Him to forgive us. Ask Him to help us deal with these sins in our lives. And begin to live in the freedom that He has for us. Begin to know The presence of God again? Have you been running from the presence of God because he is there for you? He has not turned his back away from you. He wants to know you and have a relationship with you and he is a loving merciful God who is there for you. Let's pray together. Father today as as your word has reminded us that you are Lord you are God who pursues our hearts even in our rebellion Lord, that, that as we are living this life, there's going to be moments of up and down where we just chase after you, Lord, and then there's going to be moments where we flee from you. And God, I'm so thankful that you're sovereign in all your ways, and you're sovereign in your salvation, and you're sovereign in your love and your grace and your mercy. And Lord, that means that we can't do anything to move what you're doing, to remove these things from our lives. And I thank you for that. Well, I pray for, for whatever it is, Lord, in this, in this story today, Lord, in this narrative of, of your scripture, God, that, that speaks to our hearts, Lord, that we would listen to you now. God, help us to hear from you. Lord, help us to, to let your word just pursue our hearts. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.